I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today we've got a crazy story of a creepy staff member preying on another staff member and some pro-revenge that came against them. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, charge me to close out the account? I had an investment account at my bank that I set up in order to save for my kid's college and used it to pay tuition. About two years after the last one graduated, I realized that I'd been getting a monthly statement for the account, even though it only had $280 in it. So I went to close it out and have the $280 transferred to my checking account. They sent me to an investment specialist in a small office off to the side, since customer service people can't do anything with investment accounts. I want to state that the person I sat down with was doing his job and he had rules and procedures to follow. He started out nice and friendly. When he asked why I wanted to close the account, I explained to him that I was getting monthly statements, it was costing the bank money, etc. However, he told me that there would be a $135 fee to close out the account. I asked if it could be waived since it was half the value of the account. It was costing the bank to send the statements and he got irritated with me for even suggesting such a thing. Then he spent the next 15 minutes trying to sell me life insurance, asking how much I had in my other accounts, and that he could probably do better performance-wise if I transferred it all to his investment branch. Cue petty revenge. I decided not to close out the account, but to take out $279 instead, leaving a buck in it. In a now condescending tone, he lectured me that it wouldn't stop the monthly statements, the reason I wanted to close the account. I explained to him that it wasn't worth the $135 to me to stop the mail. Two years later, I'm still getting monthly statements for the account that now has a dollar and three cents in it. Listen, like, I know it's one dollar, but this is an investment account, and in two years they made three cents? I mean, that's practically just about as much as you'd make in a regular bank account off of regular interest. And you know that at some point this bank was like, please just switch to electronic statements. Nah, just keep on sending those letters. Thank you very much. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, Officer didn't give a warning, so I told his kid he couldn't ride. For the last few years, I've worked preseason at an amusement park. I have the final call as a supervisor since I've got six years seniority, even though I've only worked eight days a year. Five years ago, a police officer gave me a citation for driving five miles per hour over the limit, even though I hadn't received a citation since 2001. Two days ago, a ride operator called me because someone was upset that his child wasn't tall enough to ride. Although I could have allowed his child to ride with adult supervision, I recognized the officer and denied his request. Yep, five millimeters under, officer. I'm sure he understood after that as his child bawled. Am I the jerk? Why, yes. Yes, I am. Although the law will never agree, does everybody kind of agree that there's kind of like a universal five over is okay rule? Unless you're going on like turns or like crazy roads, that's kind of just about what everybody does, right? 
Our next story is Jerk sent looking for parking for 30 minutes while his family ate. I work as a server at a busy restaurant. Very early Sunday morning on Easter, my significant other got a phone call that our family dog died very unexpectedly. I was scheduled to work at 11am and knew I couldn't really call in off of work on a very busy day. I consoled my significant other all morning, got no sleep, and went to work not ready to deal with any crap. I put on my work face and proceeded to work one of the busiest days of the year so far. In comes a family who were rude from the start. They called me over to order, said they were ready, and spent many minutes staring at the menu. Basically, they weren't ready. I asked if they needed a little more time, they said yes, and I run to our computer system to put in other orders. Our host came by to complain about said table. Note, she is very easygoing and it takes a lot for her to complain about anyone. Now I know it's not just me and being in a mood. A while later, one person from their group asks about the 10 minute parking in front of the restaurant. I know it's Sunday, a holiday, and parking is very limited in the area. I also know I'm also confidently parked in the same location and that no tickets will be given today. Immediately, I responded that the parking enforcement is very vigilant and that he would be wise to move his car immediately. It took him 30 minutes to find a new spot to park. So like, I know some people can't help it but just be total jerks, but I've never understood the concept of being mean to the person that delivers you your food or even worse, the person who actually makes the food. Like, almost universally, customer service is not the people you want to complain to because it can really backfire. Our next story is, want to force your religion onto strangers? How about a taste of your own medicine? So, this happened almost a decade ago while I was in college and take the train to commute. There was this nun who I had spotted on many occasion in the same route. While most of us taking that route had an unofficial dibs on our seats, the train wasn't crowded at the time of the day when I used to travel, and not in that route, She used to occupy random seats and chat up with people in the adjacent seats. Nothing wrong with that. I also noticed that most of the times, her conversations ended with her handing people a Bible and them looking confused on how to deal with it. I live in a country that has many religions. One day, I was on the receiving end of the chat. She kept telling me how I'm a sinner for not following Christianity and that she's here to save me from my sins and eternal suffering. While I didn't agree with all that she said, I continued to listen to her until she was done while plotting my revenge. I took the Bible she forced into my hand and forced her to take a copy of the religious book that I carry in my bag at all times. This is a small pocket-sized book with a prayer that I chant all the time and consider it close to my heart. I gave it to her and asked her to read it saying how she'd find it redeeming too and probably open her mind to a newer religion. For all you know, she could accept my God while I follow Jesus. She turned all shades of red and rage while the passengers in the seats nearby who heard our conversation burst out laughing. You gotta love how it sure is a horrendous thing when you try to shove your religion down her throat, but if she wants to do the same to you, she's just trying to spread the good word. She's just trying to save you. Open your eyes and don't you dare try to open mine. Also, as somebody not socially outgoing, this lady sounds like just about the worst person to sit next to on any kind of transit. Our next story is, oh, you wanted that job? I, 47-year-old female, have a friend since kindergarten, 47-year-old male. He's my emergency contact, just about a brother I never had. 
At about 19, he fell in love with a girl, Alice, fake name, and they dated for two years. My friend who I'll call Bill had a best friend in college, let's say Antony, of Polish descent. One day, Alice told that it was over with Bill. He was crushed. Two weeks later, he found out that Alice and Antony were dating. Too soon. Or there was cheating going on? I just know that Bill was deeply hurt and never spoke to Antony again. Me, being the kindergarten friend, took his pain and was indignant as well. Many years later, episode entirely forgotten, I was working as project leader directly with the CEO of a major company, so I was respected in all departments, even when I had no business being there. And then on top of the HR department, I saw a pile of CVs, and Antony's very distinct Polish name was on top. And I didn't hesitate in saying, oh, I know this guy. He's a drama queen and troublemaker with a horrible temper. The lady went, oh, and threw away his CV. Don't hurt my friends, humankind. Just don't. To be honest, I mean, I understand why OP did what they did, but I also feel like it was kind of unfair because that relationship thing, not only was it a very long time ago, it also has no merit on anything relating to OP or this potential job. Like 15 years later, a near high school relationship is what sinks their chance at getting a job? It's not like this guy was going around being a renowned bully toilet swirler to innocent kids type person. Our next story is, used a banned book for my book report. When I was in a religious elementary school many years ago, they would tell us to cross off certain books from the scholastic book order form so they couldn't be ordered. Any book that had magic or witches was banned. Luckily, my parents are not overly religious and absolutely hated the idea of any book being banned. They bought any book the school banned regardless of the reason for banning. At one point, I was assigned a book report on any book of my choosing. I'm sure my mom had a hand in this petty revenge, but the whole class got to hear my presentation on a space witch version of Noah's Ark. Yeah, this is actually something I had first-hand experience of as a kid that I didn't really understand. As a kid, I was super into Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and I also liked Harry Potter, as pretty much everybody did back then. I remember where I lived when I was a little kid, I went over to a neighbor girl's house, and like the true chad I was, I was showing her my Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and she said she couldn't play with them. She's not allowed to because it's witchcraft. I didn't understand it at the time because I was probably four or five years old, but I was like, what? That's lame. You can't watch Harry Potter? Our next story is, I got back at the Karen in my line. I was a grocery checker in the 90s. One day around noon, I was working the 10 items or less slash cash only express line that was used by many people who were just grabbing a quick sandwich for lunch so it was important to keep out people who had carts full of groceries. There was one other regular check stand open across from me that had one person being checked out with a large cart full. I didn't have anyone in my line at the time. Karen pulls up to the other check stand with a heaping cart and notices me standing there. She asks if I can check her out. I tell her, no, I'm sorry, I have to be available for people grabbing lunch. Over the next 30 seconds, she just stared at me and then pulled her cart up to my check stand and started putting all of her things on my check stand and says, you're not doing anything, you can check me out. So I was kind of stuck. So I tried to check her out as fast as I could and didn't say much and wouldn't you know it, pretty soon I had a line of about 5 people standing there with their sandwiches and cokes glaring at me. Remember, it was a cash lane. 
So as I'm finishing her order, Karen takes out her checkbook and writes a check. Mind you, she didn't start writing it until I was about done. More delay. This was her big mistake. Her address was on the check. So on my lunch break, I got the subscription cards from all the magazines and proceeded to subscribe her to just about every magazine we carried. And I always checked the two years bill me later option. I even signed her up for the Columbia Music Club and I picked the very worst records. Weeks later, when she started getting all of the mags and bills for them, there's no way she would connect it to the checker she was rude to. I was probably one in a long string of cashiers she was rude to. Winner? Me. This is kind of like the old school version of getting somebody's email or their phone number and signing them up to every text message or email service. I've always heard, by the way, Scientology is the best one because apparently they are persistent and will never give up. There is no unsubscribing from their list. Our next story is, my mom's petty revenge on my truant and drug-addicted brother actually straightened him out. Growing up, my brother and I were and still are best friends. I'm the oldest by one year and we were practically joined at the hip. We started drifting apart when I was 16 and he was 15 when he started hanging out with older guys in their late 20s to early 30s to be cool and started doing certain substances. I didn't know about his habit until a year later, but I noticed something was up when he lost a lot of weight, stayed up till 5am on a school night, and was easily agitated. My mom and him were always arguing and as a single working mom, she tried her best to get him to go to sleep on time and wake him up for school. Her lenient parenting style kind of backfired because when she tried to put her foot down, my brother would walk all over her. For a couple of years, he continued to skip school and my mom had to go to court, pay fines, take time off work to go to meetings, etc. I also had to deal with this because my mom made me take him to meetings and court appearances, community service, and pick him up from alternative school. His truancy got a little better after my mom kept getting in trouble for it, but it wasn't 100%. As for his drug problem, he stole around $10,000 from my mom throughout the years to pay for it, and when she found out, she made him go to a rehab camp for the entire summer. This was paid for by the money she saved up for my college, which sucked, but I love my brother, so I just let it go. Fast forward after rehab, and things were good, but then my brother relapsed and started being a delinquent again. My mom finally snapped and petty revenge ensued. You want to be a delinquent and take advantage of me? Fine. You're moving to New York with your dad. He can deal with you. That week, he packed his bags thinking he was finally getting away from my mom and would have more freedom to do as he pleases. Oh, how wrong he was. To sum up my dad, we love him, but he is very strange. Story for another time. And we rarely saw him after we moved to Texas, maybe once a year at the most. He also physically punished my brother. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Other when he was little, spanking and pushing him, etc., but since my brother was six foot now, my dad and my brother had an unspoken agreement that any physical punishment would not work now. Anyways, my brother gets there and immediately calls my mom only after a day complaining to her that he cannot live like this. It's unfair and is begging her to send him money. She said nope and hung up. She was tired of being guilted into giving him money and being an enabler. Apparently, my dad told him as soon as he moved in that he has to pay for half of the rent by next month as well as every month. He also needed his own money for food and clothes, etc. My dad fed him, of course, but he's vegan, and my brother told me he was tired of eating raw vegetables and soup every single day. If he couldn't come up with rent, then my dad said my brother would simply have to find another place to live. And now that my mom wasn't there to help him anymore, the reality of his situation really set in. My brother got a job only so he could have a place to stay and ended up dropping out of high school after finishing 11th grade in New York. He would keep begging my mom for money, but I'm so glad she stood by her word, even if it hurt her. My dad is the opposite. Anything he says, he sticks by, and my brother knew it. He told me that they barely even talked his entire stay there, two to three years, and he said it felt like they were roommates. My brother's motivation to make money ended up with him kicking his drug habit. He became a dealer, how ironic. He somehow got the self-control after a while when he realized doing the drugs that were meant to be sold would not be profitable. After a whole year, he met a friend who worked for his dad's small real estate company and he ended up working at a desk there doing paperwork. He stopped dealing and at 19, he decided to finish high school so he could make even more money by having a diploma slash GED. He got his GED in about 6 months. My mom and I were so proud of him. We realized that forcing him to become better was never going to work. He had to figure it out on his own. My mom's simple petty revenge to send my brother to live with my dad actually worked out. He was clean, he was working out, he had a good job. He moved up and was showing rental units to clients. He got better friends and he finished high school. 
He moved back to Texas when he was 19 to 20 and moved in with my mom, which led him to become dependent again and he veered off track a bit, but he was able to catch himself and decided he needed discipline, so he signed up for the Air Force. He's now turning 25 and lives in Germany with a great record and promotions in the Air Force. He got a college degree there and he works as a meteorologist. It's one of my favorite stories ever about him and I learned that he wasn't a bad kid after all. He had potential, but he needed to discover it on his own, and his drive really motivates me. I guess he got that from our mom. Also another story, since she was an immigrant and a single mom with two kids who clawed her way up, and now she has a successful business. I really love my family. It's really nice to hear stories shared on here where people reach their lowest of lows and manage to actually turn it around. A lot of times, whether it's an entitled parent story or a pro-revenge story, you only hear people that continue to dig themselves deeper and deeper. It's nice to hear somebody turn it all around. This next story is petty revenge on my own truant son. About 10 years ago, when my son Jay was 16, he decided he could just pick and choose when he went to school. He was a really good kid in general and made decent grades, he just really hated school. I was a single mom with a career and had to leave for work before it was time for him to catch the bus. So usually I wouldn't even know when he skipped. When I finally figured out there was a problem, I tried everything you could imagine to make sure Jay went to school. We argued every darn morning, I grounded him from everything he loved, and I even started dropping him off before driving to work, putting Jay there long before school started. Unfortunately he figured out he could just walk back home. It was a rough time in our relationship, as sometimes I wanted to wring his neck, but he was a foot taller than me and built like an ox. In Texas, if a child doesn't attend school, the parents can be held responsible up to and including jail time. Eventually, I got a notice from the city that further truancy would result in charges. I was freaking out and showed it to Jay. He was completely dismissive of it and said lots of parents get these notices, but nothing ever happens. So the problem continued. One of the women on my team at work was engaged to a local police officer we'll call G. G would occasionally visit the office and have lunch with the team, so we were all friendly. The next time G visited, I asked him for a favor in exchange for a case of beer. He agreed to help. I waited for a day that I knew G was skipping school and called G from work. G then went to my house and banged on the door yelling, Open up, police! My son answered, at which point G gave him a fake warrant for my arrest for failing to make J go to school. My son told him I was not home, so G told him to pass me a message. He would be back to arrest me in the next few days. G then left and called me at work to tell me it was done. Now, this next part, I actually feel bad about. My son absolutely fell apart. He called me crying, barely able to speak squeaking out that the police had come to the house to arrest me. He apologized over and over. When I got home, he was a shaky mess and white as a ghost. He couldn't even eat dinner. It was my original intention to tell him when I got home that I had set him up. But after seeing how upset he was, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I thought maybe I'd gone too far. I just told him not to worry, that I would call the city and take care of it the next day. I assured him that everything would be okay. The next morning, Jay was up and dressed early, and there was zero argument about him going to school. And it went that way all the way through to his graduation. 
I finally confessed to my son just last year that I'd staged the whole thing. Luckily, he's grown up enough to realize it was done with his best interests in mind, but he was still pretty pissed. In the end, that case of beer was one of the best investments I ever made. So, I mean, although you probably granted immense stress and worry and panic to him, in the long term, you could probably say this was an arguably good thing and a good result. You can't help but feel bad for the kid, though, when he's freaking out like, I didn't want to send you to jail, I'm sorry. Our next story is, I had a member of staff, male, try to force himself onto another staff member, female. She chose not to press charges. That didn't sit right with me. To preface, I live in a country that employs a large foreign-slash-expat workforce in pretty much every industry and in all levels. For someone to move here for work, they have to be sponsored by a company or the individual that's employing them. I own and operate a small restaurant business here and employ more than a handful of foreigners as servers, cleaners, kitchen staff, drivers, etc. So here's the story. I was lounging on my couch enjoying the last of my weekend one day when I get a call telling me that one of our sponsored employees, a server, let's call her Janice, was picked up for indecent exposure essentially. Long story short, she was caught hooking up with a guy in a private booth at a local restaurant. Basically the police walked in on them whilst engaged in some seriously heavy petting. They were fully clothed but the guy she was with, or practically on top of should I say, had his junk out. Turns out he works at the restaurant two doors down from where she worked. After a bit of chastising and threatening to escalate the situation and have them deported to sufficiently scare their senses back into them, they let them go, but not before signing a pledge-type document promising to never repeat the offense, or else a slap on the wrist basically, and everybody got to go home. But it doesn't end there. That night, something clicked in my brain and I had the thought, how and why did the police find them in a private booth in the back of a restaurant before the restaurant's own staff did. So I called the restaurant the next day. I thought maybe they called the police on them immediately for some reason, or maybe the couple got belligerent when staff asked him to stop. Turns out that the staff didn't notice a thing. In fact, up until that day, the police have never been to that restaurant before. And when they did, they simply walked in, went straight to the back booths where the two were sat, and busted right in. I realized this meant that someone must have seen them and called the cops on them point blank. The question was who? I decided to speak to Janice. I wanted to speak to her anyway that day to both check in and get her version of the situation. I also gave her the employer, you know you did something stupid Chad and reassure her that she's keeping her job. I also wanted to ask her who she thought called her in. Without hesitation, she said it had to be Sammy who was one of our drivers. Why do you think it was Sammy, I asked. He's the one that dropped me off at the restaurant that day. He might have seen my friend walk in right after me and call the police on us, she said. I said, well, that sounds a bit drastic. Why would he do that even if he had seen you do anything? She claimed it was because he was jealous. He was really into her apparently and kept trying to get her into bed, she said. What genuinely pissed me off was when she told me that he actually tried to force himself on her once and she fought him off and that he hasn't tried or even said anything since other than be very short and curt with her. My immediate response was, why on earth would you not tell me or one of your managers right away? 
She said she had dealt with it her way and it stopped, plus she didn't want anybody to get fired on her account. And she didn't want any interaction with the authorities, so she decided not to make a big deal out of it in the first place. She also declined to press formal charges against him, which I advised her to do. Her declining infuriated me even more. This guy was going to get off scot-free. Now clearly I was about to fire Sammy, but in my mind that wasn't enough. For someone to attempt to R-word a person basically and not get in trouble for it? Not okay with me, but it seemed like something I had to live with. Obviously, my next conversation of the day was with Sammy. My intent was to confront him with the accusations. I called him into my office. I didn't really know where to start, so I went with, Obviously, you've heard about what happened to Janice this weekend. He stepped in it right away. Heard about it, came the unexpectedly proud response from a proud-as-freak and positively beaming Sammy. I called it in. And this is where it started to get super satisfying. You see, for a couple of years, since I met Sammy... Every now and then he would pull out and show us all the pictures of his wife, who was back home living with his mother. She was younger than him and quite beautiful, but sadly barren, which is apparently why she settled with an older fart like him. He was so proud of how pretty she was. He was also a devout religious man, or so he claimed. So I ask, and why call the police? He came back with, After I dropped her off, I waited to see who she was meeting because she's a troublemaker woman. When I saw the man walk in after her, I called the police because I know him and he's married. And this is against the laws of God and man. I'm smiling now. I knew I got him. I said, why do that instead of calling your direct manager or even me? And before even seeing for yourself what they were doing exactly at that. Why make it my problem and the company's problem what she does in her own time? Silence. Head down, counting his shoes. Sammy, I know why. I know what you did. Janice just told me. I'm disgusted by you and sorry that we hired you. He had the audacity to mumble, I only tried once, sir. I almost slapped him. Anyways, I fired him, handed him a one-way ticket home, which was in four hours and told him to get the freak out. This is where I got my not-so-petty revenge. I had his house phone number saved somewhere from when we hired him. It was on his CV. I knew that because I called him there to interview him before we first hired him. I waited until his flight took off and dialed the number. I assumed either his mother or his wife would answer the call, but I was wishing for the latter. I got my wish. Hello, Mrs. Sammy. I'm your husband's employer. Well, his former employer, anyway. Just so you know, I fired him a few hours ago and he's on a flight home as we speak. His flight number is so-and-so. You'll be arriving at so-and-so. Just so you are aware, I was forced to fire him because he attempted to R-word a fellow employee half his age. I'm sorry, I said and promptly hung up, but not before hearing her gasping in shock. Well, I think it goes without saying that this guy deserved every little bit of what happened to him and probably way more. I just feel bad for all the women in this story that got affected by this guy. It seemed like every direction this guy turned, he was doing something awful to some woman. Also, I'm not gonna lie, I feel like I need a shower after hearing the fact that this guy said to OP's face, I only tried once, sir. Like, what in the heck is that? You only tried once? Oh, okay, you want a cookie? You want a gold star? 
You tell that to the judge, the judge is like, oh, you only tried it once? Okay, well, you're off the hook here. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.